All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. All right, I'm not going to start with the normal text that I, I do. We'll get into the Word in just a moment. Um, we're going to open a word of prayer here in a second. And I just want to um, kind of prepare your hearts for the message. It's um, It's been a little while. Um, in fact, I just looked it up on my phone, my old notes. Um, and it was August, July, August, September of last year, a little over a year ago that I preached on prophecy, and I did a series of sermons on the end and what it would look like at the end and how things would transpire. And um, that is really heavy stuff. How many know that? And um, when you go through that stuff on a Sunday morning, you can just feel the heaviness of the end times and that kind of thing. And um, so this morning... um, I'm sure everybody has been watching the news and um, not only the things that are happening in Israel, but um, just everything that's happening in general in the world around us. And even non-believers are sensing that we're toward the end. And the Bible is the only authoritative um, message on what exactly will transpire and how it will transpire so we can be prepared. And so this morning, I really want to open that up, and I realize it's going to be heavy. But I also realize that I would be negligent as a leader, as a pastor, if I don't warn everybody um, what is ahead of us potentially. And so how many want to be prepared and ready? Because the risk-reward... Um, from this message is there's no greater um, there's no greater risk reward message out there than this message, meaning the reward is outrageously good. Like if you listen to the message and respond like God expects us to respond, Jesus has been warning. Um, on the Olivet Discourse and throughout his life, um, he warned us about the day that we live in. And so these are 2,000-year-old prophecies from Christ, and they're 6,000-year-old prophecies from the Bible. So not only prophecies of Christ, but he was speaking prophecies from the Old Testament. And so from the very beginning, these prophecies um, have been in print, and God has been warning everybody, there really is no excuse for man not to be prepared uh, for the thing that's coming upon the earth. And so when we see these things in the news, we must as a church, listen to me very carefully, we must as a church warn. How many know that that is true? How many also realize that there are a lot of places this morning they're not doing that? There's a lot of churches you'll never hear a warning and... If you had a child and you knew there was imminent danger and you're a parent and you're, you know that danger is present, maybe you live on a busy street and you know that that small toddler loves to run and play and, you know, you would be very unloving as a parent not to warn them about the street and the busy cars. How many understand that? And so it's an act of love to prepare people for what God says is going to come. 
Everybody agree with that? So I need everybody to listen really carefully this morning because um, your very lives are dependent. Your future is so dependent on being able to hear the Word of God. You say, are you that important, Chad? I'm not that important. I mean, the message that I have, as long as I line up with the Word, is incredibly important. And so we must listen to this. The title of this message um, is called An Urgent Warning, and it's simply that. It's just an urgent warning from somebody who does love you and care about you to know the potential things that are ahead of us. And it's important for you to pass that message on and study the things out that I'm saying to make sure we know what's ahead of us. Hallelujah. Um, the things that are coming on the earth, I uh, wouldn't want um, anybody that I know, whether they're a friend or not, I wouldn't want anybody to go through it. And Jesus is really clear as we go along. He says that you don't have to. He says, I've made a way of escape from the things that are coming upon the earth. And I'll read that uh, those scriptures in a minute. But um, if Jesus says, I don't want you to go through it, then the truth is nobody has to. But the truth is a lot of people will because they'll reject God. Hallelujah. But we don't want to be those people. So the first thing I want you to understand is uh, we're looking at a, um, a war in the Middle East right now. And if you've studied the Bible for a very long time, there are certain things that triggers your mind whenever you see it in the news. And as we learn the scriptures, we need to start focusing in and learning some of these things that the Bible teaches so we can pass it on to other people. And so in the Bible, about August of last year, I taught, I, I preached a message. You can go back and listen for more details on it, but it's something called the Gog and the Magog War. How many have ever heard of this? And so as we see Israel, we triggers our mind that there is an event in the Bible that the Bible talks about that's going to happen in the last days and it's going to be an invasion of Israel by certain groups of people. And so I'm really simplifying this message. I don't want to get into the deep um, word studies on the different groupings of people and all that. I'm going to give you the simplified version so everybody hears exactly what the Bible's prophesying, okay? Um, this isn't a message where I really wanted many notes. I wanted to be able to just communicate very clearly on what potentially could happen here. But in the Gog and Magog War, in fact, let me read the scriptures and then I'll break it down. Uh, but Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 8, it says this, After many days you will be summoned in the latter years. Now that is a catchphrase that means in the last days. Okay? So you will be summoned in the latter years. You will come into the land that is restored from the sword whose inhabitants have been gathered from the many nations to the mountains of Israel, which has been a continual waste, but its people were brought out from the nations and they're living securely, all of them. Okay, let me skip down to verse 16. It says, and you will come against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days. 
I will bring you against my land. Do you see the personal pronouns here with God? Capital M, my land, my people, Israel. They're gathered from all the nations of the world. They're coming back to Israel, the mountains of Israel, and they're living there securely. Okay, that's uh, talking about 1948. When they came from all the nations of the world, they regathered in Israel. That is a very important prophetic event. And they gathered in the mountains of Israel. And um, it says they'll be living securely there in the mountains of Israel. And God, who's going to summon the people? God. In fact, at one point he says he puts a hook in their mouth. And they're going to come against his people. My people. Okay? And it said, you'll come against my people like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days. I'll bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am sanctified before your eyes, O Gog. And uh, so as we begin to look at this, um, we begin to see there are certain groups of people that he says are going to um, come against Israel. And I'm going to allow you to just go and read Ezekiel chapter 38, and I'm going to give you the abridged version just so I can cover a lot more ground this morning. But basically, there are ten entities that are going to come against Israel in the last days. I say entities because one of them, Gog, is a title. He's the leader or the prince of the people. He's the one that's uh, leading the coalition. And then there are nine other nations that are coming against Israel. And so I'm telling you these things so you can watch the news and you can be um, educated on exactly what is happening and why it's relevant to the end times and relevant to you. And we'll get into you in a minute where you fit in all this, okay? Um, but here are the nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38. Magog, Rosh, Meshach, Tubal, Persia, Cush, Put, Gomer, and Beth Tagarma. And so as we begin to break those nations down we um, begin to find a coalition of nations. In fact, uh, the way that you interpret those nations is you take um, the table of nations in Genesis. And so what God did that's very amazing with prophecy, and if you're a prophecy student, uh, you'll know that particular chapter of Genesis very well. The table of nations breaks down every geographical area in the known world at that time. Well, none of the nations in Ezekiel 38 exist by those names anymore. They're geographic areas now. And so you can locate every geographic area based on where those nine nations are. Okay? And so when you see those nine nations come together in a coalition, okay, a confederation of armies, when they all come together, they're going to make a plan to come against Israel, but it's not going to happen until Israel has been regathered into the nation, which happened in 1948. So they've been regathered the nations, and we're looking for a time at the end when these nations come together. Now these nations, if you match it up, Rosh basically translates, uh, for the most part, to an area of Russia. Okay? Uh, Magog, the Scythians, that is Central Asia and possibly Afghanistan. So do you remember the old Soviet Union? Remember all of the stands that are in the old Soviet Union? This is the area of Magog. So you've got the Russian Confederation, and then you have all of the stands, which uh, ironically are about 60 million um, Muslims. 
Okay, and that's a very important thing to know. Okay. Uh, next we have Meshach, uh, which breaks down to Turkey. We have another area called Tobal, which breaks down to Turkey. We have another nation called Persia, which most of this nation in Iran considers themselves Persians. How many know that? So you've got Iran. Then you have Ethiopia, Kush, which is actually Sudan, which is also Muslim. Uh, Libya, uh, or Put, which is uh, the modern nation of Libya. Then you have Gomer with the Sumerians, uh, C-I-M-M-E-R-I-A-N-S, they're Turkey, and Betagarma is Turkey. So basically, when you see a coalition, and what it's going to be is, it's a nation to the north, a nation to the south, and a nation to the east. And largely, this coalition is Russia, it's Turkey, and it's Iran, and then a confederation of several Muslim armies. And they're going to decide um, in a moment just to storm Israel and put an end to them. And so if you read the news right now, these are uh, nations that have never really been allies. I mean, they're nations traditionally that they have not all been allied with one another. But right now, every single news story shows Russia as a leader of this coalition. Turkey, uh, just as recent as yesterday, see if I can find this news article here. But just as recently as yesterday, Turkey's president, Erdogan, how many have watched Erdogan's speeches lately? Um, about a week ago, he um, gave a speech to the cheering crowds uh, where he said that Israel is responsible for the slaughter that happened in their land. Now, how many have watched this slaughter from Hamas in Israel? Um, they were beheaded, they were sexually assaulted, they were, babies' heads were cut off, they were burned. I mean, it was vicious, one of the most vicious assaults you'll ever see in piles of bodies and just unprovoked, you know, came into that city and you say, well, man, they, maybe they did something to the Palestinians. Um, one of the reasons I went to Israel a few years ago was they wanted to show you exactly what is happening in that land because there's so much lies about what's happening in Israel. And as you go in that land, uh, one of the places, uh, how many have seen the new Sderot? It's a city right by the Gaza Strip. And in Sderot, kids don't have playgrounds outside. Their playgrounds are indoors. They're reinforced bomb shelters. They're not able to go outside because the bombs are so close, you don't have time to get to a shelter. If you're a little bit further away, you can get into a shelter. So you have, uh, depending on the alarm, you have six seconds, eight seconds, ten seconds. Every home has a bomb shelter. Every playground has a bomb shelter. But Sderot is so close that you can't play outside. And the families in Sderot constantly live in fear. And so we got to go into one of the homes to experience um, and continually there are alarms going off uh, because of rockets that are being shot in their community from Hamas. And um, we asked him, he said, well, how do you, why do they do it, number one? We wanted to know that. Why do they do it? And he said, the reason they do it is because they feel like if we dread our lives on a daily basis, we'll leave. So they constantly, and there are piles of rockets all every week, 
almost every day, and, and they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to download this alarm, this app on your phone. This is the app that all of our citizens have, and whenever this alarm goes off, uh, that means a rocket is on its way. And all of us downloaded the app, but but you have to get rid of it after a while because all day long you hear alarms going off because of rockets being shot at your home. And he also said that whenever we eat meals, you have to be very careful because they're constantly digging tunnels under the security fence. And they'll pop up at any moment and kill your family. And then the thing that surprised me the most was our host began to cry. And he said, we wish we could help them. We said, so we do everything we can to help the poor people that are there. Because how many know their minds have been poisoned their entire lives? They live in poverty. They're made to hate them. And, and, and Hamas wants them to hate uh, Israelis. They don't want them to love them at all. And they, they pray for those people. They cry for those people. But they know that their leaders must keep them angry at all times um, against Israelis. And so to the north, where Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda and everybody, everybody is on the border to the north ready to fight. And on that border, Israel actually has opened up a gate and uh, they would take citizens from those two countries into their hospitals privately and they would treat them through that gate. They'd leave it open. They'd say, anybody who has sickness or disease or anything will treat you and will privately send you back and nobody will know about it. Well, uh, um, Hezbollah and the different leaders in that northern region, uh, they found a way to block those gates because they did not want their people to love the Israelis. And so there's an unnatural hatred that they're taught at a very young age, and that hatred is just all around Israel there. And, um, and Erdogan, the leader of Turkey, yesterday, it says he is threatening. In fact, I'll read the article. It says, Erdogan threatens to declare war on Israel and send his military to Gaza. Turkey president appears to have threatened to intervene in Gaza. In a passion speech at a pro-Palestine rally this evening, Erdogan delivered a speech to rally this afternoon, which he told attendees Israel was responsible for the war crimes and framed Hamas as the freedom fighters. Um, and it goes on, and it says, same speech uh, in Turkey. It says, uh, at any night, unexpectedly, uh, we could attack Israel with our military, he said to hundreds of thousands of attendees who cheered. So we are in a period of time where th- Turkey is threatening their entire military unexpectedly to go into Israel. Iran already is responsible for Hamas. They're the ones who fund and um, are responsible for Hezbollah. Um, How many recognize that Iran already is in a war with Israel and they're ready at any moment to wipe Israel off the map? When you hear from the river to the sea, that means the extinction of Israel and completely removing them from the land. It doesn't mean two states. It means one state and Israel completely extinct. Okay? Now remember in the scripture that it said God was saying they will come against my people, Israel. They'll come against my land. And the prophecies of the Old Testament already say too that Israel will come back to that land in unbelief. That's important to know. It's still his people, still his land, but they're coming back in unbelief. They don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord. But the Bible says in the tribulation, that is for Jacob's 
for, for the time of Jacob's trouble. And so God has a plan that during the time of the tribulation, Israel will finally accept Jesus as their Lord. How many know that? Hallelujah. But it's his people and his land. And so as we begin to look, one of the things that, um, really concerns me and my urgent warning is this. When you look at prophecy and you begin to look at the Gog and Magog war, okay, we see massive, massive amounts of people. This is the greatest underdog of all time, Israel against all of these nations. Do you know how big of an army Russia can muster and how big of an army Iran, um, 60 million of the stands that are Muslim, all these people who have been taught their whole life, we've got to wipe them from the map. And the Bible says this is going to happen, and they're just going to flood the nation of Israel from the north to the south to the east, and they're just going to flood Israel. And so as you begin to read Ezekiel 38 and 39, something um, catastrophic happens. And I don't know any commentator of the Bible can fully understand what happens there. But there is a massive earthquake. Uh, there's something that immediately kills these armies all over the hills of Israel. In fact, the whole Russian Muslim army just is wiped out on the mountains of Israel. And there's a plague and there is uh, an earthquake and there is... Um, uh, something so devastating that the world just marvels of what uh, at what happened. Nobody knows. In fact, they turn. The Bible says that they turn their weapons on each other. So I don't know if it's the deployment of nuclear warheads that causes their own weapons to blow themselves up. You know, maybe it just gets crazy, and you know, in the fog of war, somehow nuclear warheads. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is. One thing we know for sure is it takes seven months uh, to clean up the amount of bodies that are on the ground. It takes seven years to take the contamination off the land. So I don't know what kind of war it takes seven years to remove contamination, but I've seen nuclear meltdowns and radiation all over the land. And, and whatever it is, the whole world mourns. And the whole world puts up placards and says this, you know, can never happen again. You know, whatever happened there can never happen again. And so commentators try to place exactly where Gog and Magog happens. And usually it's sometime, it's definitely at the very end. Some will put it right in between the rapture and the tribulation. Some will put it right before the rapture. Some will put it up around three and a half years into the tribulation, and then some people will put it toward the end. For me, I think the most logical and the best place to put it is, it probably is the event that causes the Antichrist to come in to bring peace. I think it's the event that allows Israel to build their temple. I think they win that battle and it makes the opportunity for them to build their temple. I think it happens before the seven year tribulation. And, uh, and, and, but it's no way to say exactly when it will be, but it'll be somewhere in that period of time. And church, can I tell you this? We're so close to eternity. And one thing that you need to know very clearly in this urgent warning is, that's not the ultimate thing we need to worry about. The ultimate thing is, 
we don't have today promised. You know, we, we don't have a promise that we'll walk out these doors and still have breath in our body. We don't have a promise that we won't get in our car and make it home today. We don't have a promise that we'll breathe another moment. And can I tell you, the moment we stop breathing, one of two things is going to happen. We're going to stand in the holy presence of God, and we're either going to be right with God, or we're not going to be right with God. God's going to say, come in, my good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And church, we have got to, that's got to be the top of our mind this morning. That we could at any moment be in the presence of a holy God, and that is for eternity, whatever that decision is that we make. But then the next thing that I'm giving an urgent warning about is there is going to be an event called the rapture of the church. I want you to hear the warnings that Jesus gave in his Olivet Discourse. He says this. They ask him about the end, right? And Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will become, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Can I tell you something? One of the most known events that the world will ever have is the second coming of Christ at the end of the seven years. There's no event that is more well known than that event because you can count the days, you can count the hours. It's seven years, church. There's everything goes dark, you know, his appearance. Everybody knows when the Son of Man's going to appear at the end of the seven years. It's a known event. He's talking about the rapture of the church. It's going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to come at a moment when the world least expects it. There's going to be a moment. It's a signless event. And in a moment, in an instant, the church is going to be gone. We're going to be gone. And you say, well, man. I hear good news like that all the time. (laughs) Church, that is something to be excited about. There's never been a more bittersweet moment. Sweet, sweet, sweet for the people who know the Lord. Everybody that knows the Lord, let me give you another one. Luke chapter 20, if you're still a doubter, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. So what is coming to tribulation, it's going to close on you like a trap. Right? But be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape. I like that word. What am I going to escape? The things that are coming upon the earth. Don't be stupid. People say, well, there's no coming of the Lord. There's no rapture. There's no... He's telling you, listen. 
Be ready to escape the things that are coming upon the earth or it's going to come on you like a trap. I guarantee you the end of the seven years won't come on you like a trap because more signs have come on the earth than has ever been on this earth in that seven-year period. You'll know the end of the seven-year period, trust me. But what you won't know is when the Lord is coming for His church because it will come in a moment where the world least expects it and Jesus says, be watching, be ready, be praying because... Be always on the watch. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. How many want to escape that? How many want everybody you love to escape that? How many want to listen to the words of Jesus and be ready and watching and praying and not being carousing and drunk and not being uh, going around the anxieties of life? How is that mixed in with that? You know, the anxieties of this world can stop you from watching and being ready for the Lord to return. Hallelujah. Listen to what Paul says. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They will not escape. They will not escape. Who will escape? will escape if we trust the Lord. They will not escape, church. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of light, children of the day. We are not the night or the darkness. So let so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of the hope of salvation for God has not destined us for what? Wrath. But to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ, who died for us, or so whether we are awake or asleep, we might be with Him. Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up just as you're doing. Why encourage each other? Because we will escape through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's a message. God did not appoint us to the wrath that's coming on the earth. Church, we're going to be leaving and we'll be in His presence. And we'll be with Him forever from that moment forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we've got to hold on to that. Because uh, we shouldn't be feeling anxiety about the things coming for our sake. We may feel anxiety for the people we love, but not for my sake. I'm going to be with the Lord when all that happens. I'll be watching that from the throne room of heaven. Hallelujah. But did you notice it says when they say peace and safety? Wow. Listen to this. Sometimes we just miss the news. Title of this uh, article is Russia says America will not be the center of the coming new world order. Russia has criticized the United States president's assertion that Washington will be the driving force in the New World Order, saying the American-centric vision is outdated. This is Putin. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov told reporters on Monday that while he agrees on the need for a New World Order, he does not believe the U.S. should be at the helm. Any new system should be free from the concentration of all mechanisms of world governments in the hands of one state, he said. Peskov, listen to this, was responding to a speech by U.S. President Joe Biden delivered on Friday in which he addressed U.S. engagement in foreign crisis in Ukraine and Taiwan and Israel. During his remarks, listen very carefully, during his remarks, Biden said the world order 
of the past century is running out of steam and America needs to unite the world in a new order to forge peace. What did that scripture say? When they start saying peace and safety? Church, can I tell you, we're right on the verge. Right on the verge of all of these events. How many know we're right on the verge of a crypto digital currency system and their their pattern is China. How many know in China, if you don't have a good credit score, you're limited on the things that you can do. You're limited on travel. You're limited on what you can buy. They can cut your money off if they want to cut your money off. How many know that the countries of the world have signed onto this system and it's coming very soon? Don't just listen to what I'm saying. Look it up and see if it's true. In church, we're on the verge of a system. How many have ever heard of the... The Bible's uh, prophecy that, that you're, there's going to be a one-world financial system. You can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And church, I don't plan on being on this earth during that time. Hallelujah. But here is my urgent warning this morning. Number one, we could all die at any moment and be in eternity. Number two, if you miss the rapture, And with the Gog and Magog war looking possible, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but how many could see that happening instantly? If Russia joins Iran and they join Turkey and then the Muslim nations join in, which I'll be honest with you, they're always ready for that fight. They're ready. They just need somebody like Russia to say, let's go. And how many know Russia would love to assert their dominance over that region? That, that war could happen in a moment. And church, I know one thing that also will happen in moments, the rapture of the church. Now here's what I want to warn you about. The minute that rapture occurs, things will begin to fall into place. We'll be in heaven, the Bible says. In fact, let me read it. Revelation 4, 1 and 2. John said, after these things, I looked. There was a door standing open in heaven and the first voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here so that I can show you what must happen after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit and the throne uh, was standing in heaven with someone seated on it. And so the next thing that we see happen is there's a large, large, large crowd of people that have entered the throne room of heaven. That's us, church. And we don't see the church after that at any point in Revelation. Church is mentioned before. Church is never mentioned in the tribulation and then they're mentioned after with the Lord coming back with Him. We meet Him in the air and then we return back with Him. Hallelujah. But the tribulation, we're in heaven if we're believers, right? But then on the earth, Daniel 9.27 says the next event that will happen, the tribulation does not start. Remember this. Tribulation does not start until the Antichrist makes His appearance. And so this is when the man is revealed. You say, well, who is it? I want to know who it is. Is he alive? Which person is it? Let's guess who it is. You won't know who it is. You won't know who it is until this moment. And in this moment, Daniel 9.27 says that he will confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of that week, he will bring sacrifice and offerings to a halt on the wing of the abominations of one who destroys until it's decreed and poured out on the one who destroys. So the, the Antichrist will make a, an agreement, a treaty with Israel. He'll make it a, a treaty with many people. He'll be a man of peace. He'll bring order back to the world. 
and he will uh, begin this one world system. It's never very successful. In fact, the Bible says it's fragile. It breaks apart. There's still people fighting. He never really makes peace, okay? But he makes this agreement that he breaks after three and a half years. And so the Antichrist will come on scene. Well, what does this mean? The very next thing that happens is I looked. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 1. I looked, and when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, I heard one of the four living creatures say, Thunder's voice, come. So I looked. Here came a white horse, the one who rode on and had a bow, given a crown, and conquer. He rode out to conquer. Second seal. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And another horse, fiery red, came out, and the one who rode it was granted permission to take peace from the earth so that people would butcher one another. And he was given a huge sword. Third seal. Lamb opened the third seal. I heard the living creature say, Come. And I looked, and here came a black horse. He had a balanced scale in his hand. I heard something like a voice from the four creatures saying, A quart of wheat will cost a day's pay. Three quarts of barley will cost a day's pay. Do not damage the olive oil and the wine. Uh, Revelation 6, 7, and 8, the fourth seal. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice saying, Come, I looked, and there was a pale horse. His rider was named Death, and Hades followed close behind after him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, plague, and the wild beasts of the earth. <clears throat> When the Lamb opened the fifth seal, I saw under heaven the altars of the souls who had been violently killed because of the word of God and because of their testimony they had been given. They cried out with a loud voice, How long, Master, holy and true, will you judge us, um, those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? Even of them who, even to them were given a long robe and they were told to rest a little longer until the full number was reached. Church, let me break this down for you. Antichrist will come on the scene promising peace. Immediately, peace is taken from the earth. Immediate people, people are buying, dying by violence, the sword, um, unprecedented violence. One-fourth of the earth will die in this period. Immediately, there is a persecution. Okay, and this is what I want to warn you about. If you miss the rapture, there's going to be a butchering on this earth like we've never seen the little microcosm of what we've seen in Israel. Okay, can I tell you that the Muslims are the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. Their Messiah, the Mahdi, the 12th Imam, uh, their Gog and Magog war, everything is reversed. Okay, everything is backwards. They believe that they're going to conquer the earth with the sword and they're going to cause everybody to... Islam is going to cover the earth. Okay, And so here's what I'm warning you about. In their prophecies, they say hunt the Gentiles down. Hunt them down behind every, not Gentiles, hunt the unbelievers down behind every tree. Their violence, and that violence will cover the earth. There'll be no more believers on the earth uh, after the rapture. And, and what I'm telling you is what happened in Israel, that butchering that happened on a very small scale, this will be a worldwide violence. The Bible says that there will be guillotines set up. There will be believers hunted down. Anybody who has faith will have to confirm their testimony by their own blood. I mean, you know, you'll be executed if you become a believer during the tribulation. Does everybody understand that? And I know this is really heavy. And this may not even happen next year. It may happen tomorrow. It may not happen next year. It may not happen 10 years from now. But there's going to come a time where this happens and we need to know this. Uh, I would not want to live with my family during this time. 
If you take the mark of the beast and you join the world system, it's impossible to be saved. How many of you know that? It's impossible to be saved if you take the mark of the beast. And church, I'm just warning you, this is an urgent warning, urgent warning, urgent warning. Why do I give this warning? Because I don't want anybody that I love, I don't want anybody that even is a, not even acquaintance to be here. There's an urgency in this hour. We've got to uh, reach people that we love. We've got to pray like we've never prayed for people we love because there's going to come a time that trumpet is going to blow and every believer is going to leave this earth. And you say, well, man, that don't seem possible. You know, how's the world going to explain that? Church, the world, the world is going to be so busy with the wrath that's being poured out in the book of Revelation. The last thing they're going to be worrying about is who disappeared in a rapture. Because the world is going to have things upon it like we've never seen. How many have ever read through the book of Revelation and you see all the things that are coming upon the earth? It's so catastrophic. It says all the things that have happened up until this time uh, don't compare to what's going to happen in that seven-year period. That's Jesus that said that. And so that this world, the last thing they're going to think about is who was raptured. And I'm going to tell you, the power uh, systems of the world are going to totally transform what would the world be like if that restrainer of believers is gone? The minute we're lifted from the earth, the whole power structure is going to change. There's going to be no Christians. There's going to be no believers. There will be people that will believe in the tribulation, but if they do, they'll be hunted down and they will die by their testimony and they will refuse the mark of the beast. Do you guys understand the implications of what I'm talking about here? If you miss the rapture, this is severe, very severe. And, and, and we just have to have faith in the Lord. You know, we've got a good God that loves us, a way of escape for everybody. He's been saying it for 2,000 years that this time's going to come. And then all of a sudden here we find ourselves here. We find ourselves in that time. We see all the events beginning to culminate. And church, this is no time to walk away from the Lord. This is a time to hold on to the Lord. And say, Lord, I want to be right. I want to be in that rapture. I want to be those who are called into the air to meet you in the air. I want to go be with you. He says, we're going to meet him in the air and we're going to go where he's at. And we'll always be with him forever after that. And then all the things will come upon the earth. And so church, I'm just crying out this morning. Stand to your feet, Ryan. If anybody has any questions or confusion about this, this is a different message. This isn't a three-point message, I'm sorry. This is just an urgent warming, warning from a pastor who cares about you. And if you have a question, you say, well, what is the rapture? Let me explain it to you. Take, pull me aside personally. Tribulation is a seven-year period where catastrophic earthquakes, catastrophic things from the heavens, catastrophic things are going to happen on the earth. In fact, one-fourth of the population dies at the beginning. And then within a few years, another one-third of the population dies. And I wish I could <laughs> not be so heavy. That's why I don't preach this all the time. Because it's heavy, it's somber, it's like almost unbelievable to hear. But how many know it's the Bible? And we're beginning to see these all come to pass now. And so, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would take this message, Lord, and... Um, Lord, we know how much you love the world. It said, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe should not perish, but have everlasting life, Lord. And Lord, that offer has been here since the beginning of time, Lord God. You're saving us from what's coming upon the earth, Lord. And for it, Lord, you're going to bring forth a glorious kingdom. It says even while the uh, earth is in turmoil, it says that you're beginning to set up your kingdom on earth at that point. Daniel says that you're already beginning to set up your throne to rule and reign on the earth with us, Lord. And so this morning, Lord, I just pray that we grab a hold of that promise. Lord, we'll be with you. We'll rule and we'll reign. Lord, you'll bring everlasting peace on this earth. Father, you'll bring us a world, Lord God, where there's no tears, no crying, Lord God. There's no death, no sorrow, no suffering, no sin, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now that we would grab a hold of your promise of eternal life, Lord. Promise of salvation from the things that are coming upon this earth, Lord. And uh, help us this morning. Church, I don't want to have to cry or beg. The hour is getting too late for that. If you're not right with the Lord, find a place up here. I'll pray with you. Find a place at your seat. If you'd like prayer, you'd like to talk to a pastor, it's just getting too late to baby people anymore. How many know we baby people in America? We baby them and we beg them. And and I'm telling you, he's the only way of escape. We've got to run to him right now. Run to him. Don't be embarrassed. We all need to run to him. Hallelujah. So find a place at your seat at the altar. If you need prayer, we're here for you. But this is very urgent hour. We don't know what's going to transpire in the Middle East. But it looks like a lot of prophecies are starting to come together. I've never in my years of preaching, I've been doing ministry something like 25 years now, I've never seen it this close. I've never seen it like this. And I'm not the only one. Any pastor that preaches prophecy will tell you it's never been this close. I mean, we can visualize everything the Bible said coming to pass immediately. So let's get ourselves right, okay? If you need prayer, let me know. stand in the gap this morning. Let's intercede together for the power of God to fall and just meet them where they are right now in this very moment that they'd feel the love and touch of the Lord. Jesus. Everybody come on up here. I know everybody has somebody they're thinking about right now. Let's just pray together. Church, it can't just be Sunday morning either. We've got to be praying, praying like crazy for people that we love. Hallelujah. I want you to think about that family member right now. I want you to think about your co-workers. Just imagine and go home and read Revelation, start in chapter 6, and look what's coming upon the earth, church, and we're right in the verge of it, okay? I think it could happen at any moment, so let's just get serious about prayer. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, 
Oh, Lord, first of all, we start with us, Lord God. Father, there is an urgency in this hour, Lord God. Father, there is an urgency to reach, Lord God, as many as we can reach with your gospel, Lord God. Father, you made a way of escape, Lord God. You made a way, Lord God, where we didn't have to experience the wrath that's coming upon the earth, Lord. Oh, Father, you made a a way for us to be ready in your presence, Lord God. Whether we go today, tomorrow, Lord God, or we go in the rapture, Lord. Father, you made a way for us to be saved, Lord God. Salvation, Lord God. It never gets old to hear that word, Lord God. Salvation, Lord God. Saving, Lord God, of the soul. Father, right now we pray for our families, Lord. Lord, we intercede, Lord God, that you would touch them right now. You would draw them. Father, whatever it takes, Lord God, don't let them be lost, Lord. Lord, don't let them miss, Lord, your salvation, Lord. Don't let them neglect it, Lord. Father, whatever it takes, we pray that you reach our families, Lord God. Father, we pray for a harvest in our city, Lord. A harvest in our state, Lord God. A harvest in our country and in our world, Lord. Father, let the nets of the gospel, Lord God, spread out, Lord God. And let us just begin to reap a harvest. Send harvesters, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray for a mighty move, Lord, of your spirit. Father, that you would change hearts, Lord God. You would touch hearts, Lord. Oh, Father, that you would give the uh, sweet confidence that comes only through you, Lord, only through the Holy Spirit. Father, you have uh, taken away every fear, Lord. Father, right now I pray that every believer, Lord, Lord, would be confident and secure in you, Lord. Lord, we don't have to fear the last days, Lord God. We don't have to fear the tribulation, Lord God. We don't have to fear the things that are coming upon the earth, Lord God. We can be confident because you warned us in advance, Lord God. You prepared us for this moment. We were created, Lord, for this moment in this time, Lord God. Oh, Father, we have the message, Lord God. Oh, we have the message of the hour, Lord God. We have the one who saves, Lord God, the one who protects, Lord God, the one who brings security, Lord God. When everything around us is shaking, Lord God, you are secure in this day. You're the only hiding place. You're the only place of refuge, Lord God. You're the only stronghold, Lord God, that protects us in this time, Lord God. Father, I pray that we would all run under your canopy, Lord. Oh, under your wings, Lord God, your mighty wings right now. Father, comfort your people, Lord God. Put confidence and strength, peace, Lord God. Oh, in an hour, Lord God, when everybody else is not peaceful, Lord God. Lord, let us walk in that peace and that strength and that confidence, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. To the day we die, Lord. To the day we go into your presence. Oh, let us walk in readiness and soberness, Lord, and knowing, Lord God, who you are. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you thank him for what he's done for us this morning? Hallelujah. We're going to walk in confidence because of what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Give somebody a hug this morning. Hallelujah. Tell them you love them. Hallelujah, brother.